The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, The Man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, we are going to discuss the Feast of Hemlock Vale, the next uh, investigator and campaign expansion for the Arkham Horror LCG. Designer Duke Harris unveiled the new expansions on Friday at Gen Con, and uh, we are going to discuss them now. This is the first of three videos I'm planning to make about the new expansions. This one will talk a little bit about the Investigator expansion as well as the Campaign expansion. Tuesday's video is going to focus on the Secret Investigator in the box, Kate Winthrop, and some of the Seeker cards that were spoiled, while Wednesday's video will focus on Hank Sampson, the Survivor Investigator, as well as some of the Survivor cards that were spoiled. There are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. You all rock. If you'd like to be amazing like these people and support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty, Nicole Fiscus, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for their contributions to the channel. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. As I mentioned at the top of the video, designer Duke Harris unveiled the next Investigator and Campaign expansions on Friday at Gen Con during a live stream. And it is going to be the Feast of Hemlock Vale. The uh, Campaign and Investigator expansions uh, really seem to lean into themes that we've seen before with uh, movies like The Wicker Man and Midsummer, where there is a town that is having uh, some sort of strange festival and the uh, investigators uh, visit said town and uh, hijinks ensue. So we are going to take a look at uh, a little bit of the investigator expansion followed by the campaign expansion in this video and then we are going to dig a little bit deeper into the uh, secret investigator Kate Winthrop on Tuesday and the survivor investigator Hank Sampson on uh, Wednesday. Both of them have some very interesting mechanics that they are working with and I'm looking forward to bringing that discussion to you. Let's dive into what we know about the investigator expansion. Uh, surprise, surprise, we know uh, all of the investigators that will be released in the investigator expansion which uh, is going to be released in January. It has been almost a year since the Scarlet Keys dropped and information about the next uh, investigator and campaign expansions has been uh, few and far between since then. And uh, we are going to have to wait a little bit longer to get our hands on uh, the next uh, investigator expansion and campaign expansion. The investigator expansion is slated to be released in January while the campaign expansion will follow in February. That said, we do know all of the investigators who will be released in the uh, investigator expansion, and it uh, features two new investigators that we haven't seen in Arkham Horror Files products before, which is, uh, which is nice. The Guardian Investigator is Wilson Richards, who, is, uh, who has threes across the board, the handyman, Wilson has been in uh, many an Arkham Horror Files product over the years. He has the Drifter trait, and uh, while his game text is obscured, it appears he has uh, some way to reduce the cost of uh, tool assets that he plays each round. He also receives skill bonuses, 
when he uses said tool assets in his elder sign effect looks like it allows him to swap a tool asset that is in his uh, discard pile with one in his hand and he has uh, at least eight health who knows what his uh, sanity is probably being a guardian maybe six six sounds about right we have uh, Kate Winthrop, of course, the scientist. She has two willpower, four intellect, two combat, and four agility. Now, Kate Winthrop, of course, is the scientist. She has the Miskatonic and Scholar traits. Now, her game text is obscured uh, in this picture, but it uh, was released on the uh, during the stream as well as uh, Fantasy Flight Games website. You begin the game with the Flux Stabilizer in active side face up. As a free triggered ability, Kate may move one clue from herself to a science or tool asset you control with no clues on it. She also has a forced effect when you when an asset you control with a clue on it leaves play, place its clues on your location and her elder sign effect is plus zero. You may move one clue from an asset you control back to Kate Winthrop and she has six health and eight sanity. I'm not going to delve too deeply into uh, Kate's deck right now that will be the focus of uh, tuesday's video there were a lot of uh, a lot of seeker cards spoiled during uh, the stream as well as on uh, fantasy flight games website and uh, kate has some uh, very interesting mechanics uh, moving clues between herself and her assets and uh, we're going to take a, a deep dive into that in uh, tomorrow's video the first new investigator that we are receiving is Alessandra Zorzi, the Countess. She has a three willpower, four intellect, two combat, and four agility. She is the rogue investigator, of course. Uh, Alessandra does have three willpower, so she's uh, not uh, necessarily cursed by the uh, rogue's low willpower. She has the drifter and socialite trait. You may take an additional action during your turn, which can only be used to parlay. Her Elder Sign effect is plus two, and if you succeed, choose a non-elite enemy at your location or a revealed connecting location. Automatically evade that enemy. She has seven health and seven sanity. Now, free actions are always nice. Parlay actions, a lot of scenarios do have parlay actions in them. A surprising number, actually. There's, It's not the most common action, but uh, most campaigns force you to parlay at some point so uh, Alessandra can do that action uh, without taking an action which is uh, which is nice I can imagine in a scenario like the last king uh, Alessandra is going to be an absolute powerhouse with all the parlaying that you uh, do in that scenario perhaps uh, she can also parlay with uh, Ichtaka in the forgotten age but uh, as I said Parlay actions, you're not going to be doing this every turn, so you're not really going to be getting a ton of additional actions over the course of the game. But when you do need to parlay, at least uh, Alessandra will uh, give you a leg up there. Her three willpower is nice for a rogue, and of course four intellect, uh, we love to see that. Uh, that means she's going to be very good at investigating and uh, for agility as well so with a set of lock picks uh, alessandra is going to be an absolute powerhouse not much in the combat department but uh, that is what we would expect from uh, somebody like the countess i should mention that uh, while we know the front sides of most of the investigators we do not know what their deck building options are 
So that uh, remains a mystery. Obviously, somebody like Kate probably has uh, science and or tool assets in her deck building options. We would assume that uh, given Wilson Richards' ability to play around with tools, he will also have uh, something like that. But uh, their deck building options remain to be seen. The mystic investigator is Kohaku Narukami, the folklorist. He has four willpower, four intellect, three combat, and one agility. So uh, he is no agility Agnes, that's for sure. Kohaku is the investigator of the bunch we know the least about. The uh, There is some information that he will uh, bring balance to chaos in some way. But uh, unfortunately, that's all we know. He has four willpower, which is, you know, it's not the five, coveted five willpower that uh, that mystics, uh, a lot of mystics like if they're going to be using spells. So perhaps he is another uh, mystic who, who will not be going sort of the down the traditional uh, shriveling route. He does have four intellect, so he can actually discover clues without needing spells, which is uh, which is pretty helpful. Three combat, of course, will help him deal with enemies, and uh, he's not going to be doing a whole lot of evading with one agility, and uh, encounter cards that require agility skill tests are going to chew poor uh, Kohaku Narukami up, so that uh, will be something to look out for. So. Once we know a little bit more about uh, Kohaku and uh, his abilities and uh, his deck building options, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be, I'll be eager to talk about it. Mystic is one of my favorite classes, so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he does. The final investigator is Hank Sampson, the farmhand. He has three willpower, one intellect, five combat, and three agility. The assistant and warden traits you may be assigned damage and or horror dealt to ally assets or other investigators at your location. So he sort of has that, uh, that guardian ability that we've seen on a lot of guardian cards. As a response, when you would be defeated by damage and or horror instead, heal all the damage and horror that, and swap this card with the bonded resolute version either side face up. His elder sign effect is a simple plus one. He only has five health and five sanity. But he does sort of get a free death in a way in that uh, once he loses all his health and sanity, you heal him and then you get to choose one of two options. You can choose his warden bonded card or his assistant bonded card. And uh, those cards have different uh, skill values and uh, different abilities on them. So depending on how the campaign or the scenario is going, you can choose either version of Hank Sampson to uh, help the team. We are going to dig uh, very deep into Hank Sampson's abilities in uh, Wednesday's video, so I'm uh, not going to focus too much on it now. Overall, I'm uh, very happy with this uh, mix of investigators. It's nice to see uh, a couple of new additions to the Arkham Horror uh, Files lineup in uh, Alessandro and uh, Kohaku. Based on some of the other cards that I have seen in the set so far, it looks like parlaying is going to be very important. So obviously Alessandro is going to, well, Alessandra is going to be in her element uh, during uh, this campaign, and uh, I'd love to say more about Kohaku, but unfortunately we don't really know uh, much about him. And of course, Wilson and Kate uh, both uh, emphasize uh, the tool trait, 
and so uh, we are going to be seeing a lot of tools and we'll be taking a look at some of those cards that were spoiled in uh, Tuesday and Wednesday's video. It's worth uh, noting that uh, this expansion is also going to include the uh, typical wealth of player cards and deck building options that we've come to expect from these uh, large investigator boxes. I'd expect uh, 200 plus new player cards for uh, players to dig into. The uh, set will include bonded cards, which I believe were first introduced in the end of the Circle Undone or the beginning of the Dream Eaters. So that's a mechanic that we are accustomed to. The cards are also going to dig into cards that interact with a tool trait, which seems obvious given Wilson Richards' penchant for tools, as well as uh, Kate Winthrop's abilities, which also deal with uh, science and tool assets. The cards are also going to make use of Bless and Curse tokens. So we are going to be revisiting the Bless and Curse mechanic that was first introduced in the Innsmouth Conspiracy uh, cycle that i am really looking forward to some more news about one of the uh, chief complaints about the bless and curse mechanic uh, during the insmouth conspiracy cycle that is was that there just weren't really enough cards in some cases to really build out bless and curse decks in some circumstances some of the capstones for the bless and curse mechanic were a little bit weak and uh, personally, as a solo player, I found the Bless and Curse mechanic somewhat awkward. In multiplayer, of course, if you have multiple Bless and Curse decks at the table, it is very easy to fill the uh, Chaos bag with Bless and Curse tokens. Not so much in solo, where you've got to do it all yourself, and it can be, it felt a, a little bit slow. You sort of had to try to fill up the bag with all these tokens, and then so you could trigger the cards that were that use those tokens but uh, sometimes it just felt like well why am i bothering with this mechanic when there are cards that do similar things and i don't have to fill the chaos bag first so personally i'm hoping that they have found some way to speed up the bless and curse mechanic somehow for the solo format personally i think they could do that maybe with some sort of uh, permanent that starts the game in play where you get to add a few tokens to the bag right off the bat to sort of kick kickstart your bless and curse deck but uh, i'm no designer i'm sure uh, duke and nick have uh, come up with uh, some inventive way of uh, giving the bless and curse mechanic a, a, you know a, a boost in this expansion i guess the other question is if there weren't really enough Bless and Curse cards in the Innsmouth Conspiracy, will there be enough in this expansion for those players who, say, haven't picked up the Innsmouth Conspiracy expansion? So that uh, there are some questions around uh, the Bless and uh, Curse mechanic, so we'll just have to wait and see as more spoilers come in the months to come whether we will receive enough cards with the Bless and Curse uh, mechanic to really... Uh, either build a deck using just, uh, say, the core set and the Feast of Hemlock Vale Investigator expansion, or whether you're going to actually have to go out and get the Innsmouth Conspiracy to uh, to really make a go of it. Finally, we've got the uh, the campaign expansion is going to go for $69.99, while the Investigator expansion is going to retail for $44.99, which is the same as what they cost for uh, the Scarlet Keys. And as I mentioned, the Investigator expansion is slated for January and the Campaign expansion will follow in February. So hopefully there will be no delays 
and we'll be able to get our hands on uh, on these cards uh, sooner than later. There has been uh, very little information released since the Scarlet Keys dropped nearly a year ago, so uh, it's nice to see that uh, we are finally getting a, another uh, investigator and campaign expansion for the game and hopefully we won't have to wait so long for news of the next one but uh, expect there to be uh, spoilers come out uh, over the next uh, I guess it's going to be six months before the five or six months before the investigator expansion drops and I'm sure many members of the community uh, will be receiving spoilers so stay tuned for that and uh, we'll see how this uh, how this investigator expansion develops, especially with things like the uh, the bless and curse mechanic. As for the campaign expansion itself, it is uh, set in a town near Arkham. We have the uh, renowned biologist uh, or botanist, I should say, Dr. Rosa Marquez, who uh, receives a strange sample from the secluded and mysterious Hemlock Isle. Her instincts tell her that something is amiss. Following the recommendation of an old colleague, Dr. Marquez invites our investigators to accompany her on a survey of the island. The residents of the island are having a festival. More on those residents in a moment. And uh, trouble ensues, as you uh, might expect. The uh, name Hemlock Isle, of course, is uh, foreboding in its own right. Hemlock being a, a very poisonous plant. I believe it was, there was one of those Greek, uh, Greek philosophers who drank a concoction of Hemlock to uh, kill themselves. So uh, there is, uh, it's probably not going to be a good place for the uh, investigators to hang out. Maybe poison makes a, makes a recurrence after the Forgotten Age, uh, who knows. Taking a look at Rosa Marquez, of course, we do get an ally card uh, for her that you will be able to join uh, the party at uh, some point during the campaign. She's a four-cost asset with an intellect, agility, and wild skill icon. So if you need to commit her, you can get two intellect, two agility, or one or the other. She's got the ally Miskatonic and Wayfair trait. While you control Dr. Rosa Mar Marquez, you get plus one intellect and plus one agility. This is uh, very uh, nice bonuses for uh, Kate and Alessandra in particular. It uh, boosts both of them to uh, five intellect and five agility. So uh, if you're playing in multiplayer, and uh, you have the choice of somebody getting Rosa, I would suspect that either Kate or Alessandra will uh, lay claim to her. And as a reaction, after you discover the last clue at your location, there are some unusual symbols that we have not seen before on cards. Now, I don't know the meaning of these unusual symbols, and uh, they are, Rosa is not the only card that these symbols appear on. So they may relate to uh, the other mechanic that will be uh, running throughout this campaign that we will take a look at in a moment. But uh, as of yet, what those symbols mean is uh, is a mystery. Perhaps that will be more information will be released about them as uh, we get closer to the uh, campaign expansion dropping. Her flavor text is, if it's survival of the fittest, I intend to survive. She, of course, takes up an ally slot. And she has two health and two sanity, so she's uh, she can take a hit if there's ally hate around. She's not going to fold to a point of damage, uh, which is nice. And uh, so her bonuses will uh, stick around. But uh, what happens after you uh, discover the last clue at uh, 
her location is a is a very intriguing mystery. It may have uh, something to do with the uh, other main mechanic in this campaign, and that is the day-night cycle. The uh, story will be taking place over three days and three nights, and your party must decide what to investigate on each of those days and nights. So we know that the campaign will be six scenarios long. However, the uh, designers uh, mentioned that there are more areas that is in the scenario than uh, you will have time to survey during your stay on the island, and the events of the story will change depending on which scenarios you choose to play and whether you choose to play them during the day or during the night. So there could be eight, ten different uh, scenarios to choose from during the campaign, but you'll only be able to play six of those, and you'll have to choose whether to play those scenarios during the day or during the night. So we have some beautiful art here showing, uh, now I'm not sure whether these are cards that will be included in the campaign. Presumably there will be cards for all of the days and, and uh, nights, but we have day one here in which we welcome new friends to Hemlock Vale. We can see uh, the people greeting the investigators. And then we have night one, in which the forest comes alive with many creatures, great and small. Now, during the live stream, uh, designer Duke Harris mentioned that uh, enemies, uh, their abilities may change depending on whether you are facing them during the day or night. Presumably, enemies will get uh, much more powerful if you uh, encounter them at night, so that may uh, make a once you've had a chance to play the campaign a couple times, uh, you may want to uh, choose scenarios based on uh, based on sort of that information. But uh, this day-night cycle does uh, create a lot of replayability for this campaign, which is nice to see. So looking forward to seeing a little bit more information about how this uh, day-night cycle will interact with some of the other scenarios in the campaign. The designers are keeping that information very close to their chest for the time being. They didn't reveal any information to my knowledge about you know what you can expect to do in these scenarios. Probably besides going out with, uh, with Rosa Marquez, the botanist, to investigate areas of the island to figure out why the uh, flora is uh, so unusual and uh, possibly dangerous and or poisonous. So we will have to wait and see on that. Of course, uh, the day-night cycle is not the only factor that will uh, make this campaign very replayable. The uh, designers have uh, taken, a, uh, taken a cue from the edge of the earth and uh, have introduced the residents of uh, Hemlock Vale, with whom you can build relationships during the campaign. So much like the uh, explorers in Edge of the Earth, you will be able to encounter these uh, residents of Hemlock Vale, build relationships with them, and uh, if your relationship is favorable with them, you may be able to uh, include, they may join you on uh, scenarios. You can do this, uh, you may be called on to increase or de decrease the resident's relationship level. So they will each have some sort of relationship level. So between scenarios, you may be asked to increase or decrease that relationship level. And that will change how those residents interact with you uh, later during the campaign. Obviously, if your relationship with one of these residents is good enough, they may become your ally during certain scenarios. On the flip side, 
If you offend someone or fail to nurture your bond with them, they may end up trying to hinder you instead. Between the day-night cycle and uh, how many residents do we have here? Five, nine different residents to play around with? That's going to create a lot of replayability for uh, this particular campaign. So taking a look at some of these residents, we've got Theo Peters, the jack of all trades. Now we don't see a whole lot of information about him because his, uh, his card is obscured. We've got Simeon Atwood, the dedicated troublemaker. It looks like Simeon gives you plus one agility. And again, you will notice, looks like there is a skill test on Simeon, and if you succeed, there is the strange symbol next to him. Now, maybe that is related to the relationship level. Maybe if you succeed on a test, you increase your relationship level with Simeon by three. Again, we don't know what those symbols mean. We've got River Hawthorne, big in New York. She gives you a plus one willpower. And uh, she has a test on her that is either willpower or intellect three. And if you succeed, presumably there are more strange symbols. We've got Mother Rachel, the kindly matron. She is completely obscured. We've got Leah Atwood, the, the veil cook, who is completely obscured. We've got Judith Park. Now the text is a little fuzzy, but I think she's the muscle. And it says, when you control Judith Park... You may action during your turn. So maybe she gives you an extra action. You can spend X resources to parlay with her. So of course that's right up Alessandra's alley. And again, there's the strange symbols. It looks like a book with a seven beside it. So I'm not too sure what that means. And she has, uh, Judith has three health. We've got Gideon Mizra, the seasoned sailor perhaps a relative of Gabriella Misera from the uh, Circle Undone, one of the poor souls who uh, you play during the uh, prelude scenario at the beginning of that campaign. I think this is using the old Call of Cthulhu LCG art for Basil Elton, the lighthouse keeper. But uh, here we've got a seasoned sailor. While you control Gideon Misera, uh, you get one additional accessory slot and you can take a double action to parlay, and then it has that strange symbol six. So maybe that is that does have something to do with uh, the relationship level uh, with Gideon, in which case the symbol we saw on Rosa Marquez would also have to do with the uh, relationship level. So possibly. Now, he does have a forced effect after Gideon Mizra is probably defeated, set aside out of play, and in your campaign log, do something with his relationship level. So, much like some of the, uh, the explorers we saw in Edge of the Earth, these poor uh, residents can die during scenarios, and if they die, it looks like they get put out of play and then your relationship will deteriorate with them, which is no surprise if you end up killing the residents of the town. They're probably not gonna like you very much, but uh, Gideon only has one health, so chances are he could uh, die pretty easily if if there is any ally hate that you know pings him for a damage. He's gonna go down pretty quickly. It looks like he has three sanity, so a uh, little bit of sanity soak there, but uh, Pretty vulnerable otherwise. We also have Bertie Musgrave, a true aesthete, ally miskatonic and assistant trait. While you control Bertie, 
you get plus one health and plus one sanity. As a free triggered ability, take either one damage or one horror and exhaust birdie to parlay, draw one card. And again, he has these strange uh, symbols, some Greek letters in there as well. Again, another parlay action for Alessandra Zorzi. So she should uh, be very much in her element in this campaign. And he has a forced effect after Birdie Musgrave is defeated. Set him aside out of play. Doesn't say to do anything with his relationship level, however. Birdie has two health and one sanity. So again, vulnerable to uh, ally hate. One, uh, if he happens to just take one horror, he's uh, down for the count. So you're going to want to probably protect these... Uh, residents with your life. And finally, we've got uh, William Hemlock. I think it says Aspiring Poet. And while you've got him, you get plus one intellect, which is always nice. And again, he has a test that uh, if you succeed, you have the uh, weird symbols. And if he's defeated, you're going to be setting him aside. Uh, and then in your campaign log, you're going to be recording some sort of change to his uh, relationship level. So it looks like several of uh, these uh, residents, depending on how they, uh, whether they survive a scenario or not, their relationship level will, ch will change. During scenarios, you may have some way of affecting their relationship level, depending on what these symbols mean. But uh, we will have to wait and see how these residents uh, play into uh, play into the campaign and uh, whether investigators will uh, be uh, somewhat affectionate toward them and want to protect them, or whether uh, players will just sacrifice them uh, willy-nilly to save their own skins, uh, depending on the scenario. So uh, overall, there is uh, several mechanics that are operating in this campaign to uh, increase its replayability between the day-night cycle and the residents. You can probably play this campaign uh, several times over and uh, have a different result uh, each time. So that's going to do it for my uh, preview of the Investigator and Campaign expansions for the Feast of Hemlock Vale. This information has been a long time coming and it's uh, very exciting to find out uh, what the next uh, Investigator expansion and Campaign expansion will be. I uh, like the look uh, of the Investigators so far. I think it's uh, worth noting that uh, the uh, information we've seen so far doesn't include any information about new mechanics like we saw with Customizable that was released during the uh, Scarlet Keys uh, Investigator expansion. I know I was a little uh, frustrated when uh, they dropped information about uh, the Customizable keyword but didn't provide any information about it which just led to a lot of rampant speculation about what that mechanic actually did. And uh, I believe it was like a week later. I'm not sure whether the designers bowed to pressure from the community, but it was like, okay, okay, we'll tell you what this, what this mechanic does. But uh, it looks like this expansion is going to be revisiting some older mechanics, such as the bonded cards and the, uh, of course, the bless and curse uh, mechanic which uh, hopefully will uh, get uh, fleshed out. As for the campaign itself, it does have uh, vibes of uh, movies like The Wicker Man at Midsummer. I saw Wicker Man many, many years ago. I have not seen Midsummer, But uh, it's not... Uh, I don't think the theme is the one that I was particularly interested in or looking forward to, but uh, I'm sure the uh, designers will uh, do a bang-up job on uh, fleshing out uh, both 
the Isle of Hemlock Vale and uh, the festival that is taking place while the investigators are uh, are exploring the island and trying to determine what is going on with the uh, flora there. The designers have uh, not been shy about exploring themes beyond sort of traditional Lovecraftian themes. Like we haven't really seen Cthulhu as a main enemy. We haven't seen sort of Shubnigarath as a main enemy. Although given that the flora is uh, unusual on this island, Shubnigarath seems like the great old one that would be involved here. I'm hoping the designers will eventually revisit those. I don't so we can see sort of play through and face Cthulhu at some point. But uh, for the time being, we are going to be off to uh, Hemlock Vale and uh, exploring that island. And I uh, look forward to bringing you more information about it uh, in the weeks and months to come. Just a reminder that uh, on Tuesday's video, we're going to take a deep dive into uh, Kate Winthrop, who was uh, spoiled both on the stream as well as the Fantasy Flight page. And then Wednesday's video, we'll take a look at uh, Hank Sampson and some of the other Survivor cards that were spoiled. So I hope you'll stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, and uh, I'll see you uh, tomorrow. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.